This is the Politics as Usual podcast where we cover everything from social events to world issues. Our weekly episodes provide unfiltered commentary on the hottest topics in pop culture. Yerp. This is another interview segment for the Politics as Usual podcast with your host, Reno, and special guest, Nadia, co-founder and managing editor of Addicted Magazine. How are you doing today? What, what? I am great. Thank you very much. It is a pleasure to be here. So my first, my first question for you is, for my listeners that don't know you, can you tell them a little bit about yourself and what exactly it is that you do? Oh gosh, I am, so my name is Nadia El Karadli. I am Egyptian. I was born to Egyptian immigrant parents here in Canada. I grew up mostly in Scarborough and then I moved to the Young and St. Clair area. And now as a quote unquote adult, which I don't believe that I really am yet, <laughs> I, li- I live in Queen West. So I really identify as a Torontonian. I've lived here all my life in various areas, always had a 416 area code. So that's a strong part of my identity. Um, I very much identify as Egyptian as well, even though I'm very much not a conventional uh, Middle Eastern woman. Um, But you know what, that is very, very different these days. I find people are very much embracing their individuality as well as their identity. So it's a really beautiful thing to see. Um, On a professional level, as you mentioned, I'm the co-founder and managing editor of Addicted Magazine. It's a lifestyle entertainment publication based right here in Toronto. And uh, we talk about basically anything that you can be positively addicted to. And we also try to really highlight founders, business owners, um, not-for-profits, just people and entities and groups doing good work, whether that's in, you know, music, creative fields, or, you know, tech, whatever, like people who are doing good stuff that we can showcase and they can inspire people. Um, That's a really wonderful thing about having a platform is being able to share that platform with others, as I'm sure you well know now that you have your own platform up and running. Um, You know, it's a challenge to be in, in the media space, especially now, especially you know, during the year of our Lord, 2020 to 2021. Um, It's challenging times to be in creative industries, but, you know, creating community and finding ways to share in in our creative labor, but also in the fruits of our labor, which is being able to access an audience. So that's one of the things that I love about what I do. I've also recently started a consulting company around, um, I call it conscious communications, just being aware um, either, either as a, you know, kind of a high visualized individuals, like someone with, you know, bigger audience, influencer and the like, or brands or companies, just to understand when you're speaking to your audience, to the world that you have awareness of what you're doing. I have a dog and two cats, so they might <laughs> pop in and join the interview from time is, to time. It is yes, all good. I know. No worries. Uh, my dog is also Egyptian and she's a rescue. Going back oh, to really? for, yeah, I rescue animals. So she was my third animal that I rescued. And I actually made a documentary about her. So I'll share that with you if any animal lovers in the audience might want to check that out. So animal rescue is something that's also very important to me. And uh, whenever I can do that kind of work, I love to do it. Um, but anyway, yeah, I decided to start this consulting company, especially after last summer with the deaths of, you know, specifically Breonna Taylor and George Floyd that were very much prominent in the media. But, you know, I don't have to tell you there are many, many names that came before them and unfortunately have come after them. But it 
kind of showcased to me that there's a lot of performative, not even activism happening out there, but performative allyship, performative, um, really it's just, you know, kind of a farce to get a certain kind of an image so that you can attract an audience and make more money is really what it came down to. And for the black community, for the BIPOC community, I was hearing from people that I knew from my friends that they were being further traumatized by what they were seeing on social media, on the news, by companies saying and doing things, you know, posting a black square or, you know, whatever, like some stock image from whatever of a rainbow of hands holding yeah. hands. Meanwhile, yeah. meanwhile, they're treating, you know, their black staff horrifically at that very same company. So a lot of that was happening in the world and people were, as I said, getting further traumatized. So it just kind of came to me that I was like, you know what, I'm good at communications. I'm good at the media landscape. I understand how to leverage words in a way and the weight of words and the power of words. So I may as well, well, not may as well. I was like, I can may as well make some money at it, which yes. Mm-hmm. But also um, I, I'd like to do that to help redu- reduce the trauma and the harm that's being caused to people out there. Cause can I swear? Is that allowed? Yes. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Shit is hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need things to be any harder and we don't need to be hurting each other more for what? Like to make money? to have more Instagram followers like no there's no need for that so if I can do my part to lessen that I want to do it so that's me and I've I've noticed you're very you're very active when it comes to um injustices and things like that you definitely try to be you know what I mean you you definitely um give your opinion and um I think I think it's great to see people that don't look necessarily like each other, supporting each other. We mm-hmm. come from different cultures and it's great to see that I could be supporting women that are going through things across the world and you could uh-huh. be supporting black people that are going through certain things and stop Asian hate and all of these movements. Yeah. It's kind of, like, honestly, even thinking about it, it's kind of like overwhelming that within this, while we're dealing with a pandemic, we're also dealing with all these social issues at the same uh-huh. time. So I just find it amazing that while we're balancing this this vibe where it almost felt like the end of the world at one point, we're it also <laughs> we're it also did. trying to make sure that we're treating each other equal. Not to say we're all doing it, but it's uh. it's an active conversation <laughs> that's been happening. Yes. And it's yes. and for all the years that I've been alive, which hasn't been many, mm-hmm. I have never seen it, especially within my own com- community, I've never seen so many people that don't like me don't look like me sorry actively speaking on the the plight of um your black man and black woman and your Absolutely. women and middle eastern women and muslim like everybody's yeah. talking about everything and i just think it's a beautiful thing it is and it's funny that you say that like i so i grew up in the 80s and the 90s and i've seen like coming off the reagan years and you know many conservative politicians holding power in Canada, many austere measures of austerity put in place. And a lot of that individualism where it was very much not at all like we're seeing right now was everybody out for themselves, you know, like within there was even infighting within the, you know, POC community, like people were not standing up for themselves because it was much more of an attitude of like, well, I worked hard to get to where I'm at. Like you can't just do that too without taking into account 
all the different things that we actually know and speak about so much right now. So as someone who's kind of lived through both sides, it's like, I'm so impressed that this is the conversation now that we it's becoming mainstream, like to talk about, like, even, you know, like to your point, like it's insane that we have to go through all this stuff during a pandemic, but the pandemic has taught us so many lessons. And I think had the pandemic not happened, and I mean, had the pandemic not happened, would the, the racial justice protests that, you know, took place this summer, would they have happened as well? Who's to say, but you know, the raising of the inequities and, you know, showcasing how certain elements of the population are so much more impacted by COVID-19, but whether it's, you know, job loss or straight up death and infection rates or, you know, accessibility to government programs or need for more supports, like the fabric that was, you know, barely holding together our society, the farce that was individualism, trickle down economics, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And like, to be fair, I'm not an economist. Maybe there was some crazy shit happening in the eighties where people really were just making money hand over fist. Like something happened. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But you know, it, it was maybe the co- the confluence of that as well as the individualisms where like because everyone was doing well, people could say, oh, it's not that hard, bro. I did it. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden you come out of, you know, uh, you know, the recession and all the crazy stuff like the economic crash of 2007. In, and they talk about, you know, our generation, like you're, I would imagine a Gen Z. I kind of, I think, fall into the elder millennial. But we've seen like economic crisis like no other (laughs) like we've had two or three in our lifetimes and you know like the people in the generation before us were really coming off of a high of a lot of really really great economic strength so to put us through you know as everything was tightening and getting worse and worse and worse and our generation was already feeling it all of a sudden then put the weight of a pandemic on top of that that shit was already held together by like chewing gum and hopes and dreams yeah like it's not and covid makes you cough and sneeze and it all fell apart like that's all it took was some coughing and sneezing and it all fell apart but the goodness of that not goodness i guess but what that weight forced is the conversation of we are not all treated equally we are not all given access to whatever it may be like whether it's money opportunity job safety like there's you know, expectation of what your tax dollars will give to you. Some people can go down the street and live their life. Some people pay taxes to have cops pull them over and pull guns in their faces. Like Mm -hmm. the world is not an equal place and it is very much come to the forefront. Adding on top of that, the like giant, you know, lens of social media that just magnifies everything. And you've created kind of a perfect storm where we can very much see what needs to be seen and say what needs to be said And my hope is just, you know, we've done a lot of the unburying now and like really bringing things to the forefront, but let's get that actual change happening. And that's going to be the toughest part because people are not going to want to let go of their power and their Of course, of course. I think um, one of of the greatest things that the pandemic did is it kind of made everybody stop. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like everybody was at work or you're being... um, like the entertainment industry slowed down, like everything slowed down. So it's like people actually to some degree had to listen. It wasn't, it wasn't like before where we're going to the movie theater. Exactly. There's all these distractions, like award shows, whatever it may be. But now it's like, this is an issue. It was like 
this is a, an issue that has happened multiple times, multiple times within the pandemic alone. Right. Especially recently. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where the pandemic really is a gift and a curse because there's a lot of people losing their lives, but yeah. it also gave a lot of people, it put, them, it put them in a position, honestly, to sit back and just soak it in and actually listen to other people's perspectives. Because I find yeah. a lot of the time when you're running 100 miles an hour trying to take care of your family, yourself, whatever, whatever it is, it's very hard to just sit down and take in someone else's issues and take them on and want to stand up with them, even though as Absolutely. humans, we should. But it's just one of those things that I felt the pandemic was great for kind of giving the attention to things because there's several things within the pandemic that blew up because attention was there. Pretty much anything yeah. you're doing, attention is there. Absolutely. And you know what? I think a big part of it too, I talk about this with my business partner a lot. He, you know, struggled with addiction, was couch surfing for a while, homeless. And, you know, he didn't have the bandwidth at the time when he was putting his life back together to really, you know, to care about things like social justice and, you know, like he was surviving mm -hmm. and he's just one person. Like imagine exactly like you said, the people who are, you know, going to work to support their families, people who are holding down multiple jobs, people who are, you know, really the frontline workers, you know, the people who make our lives go around that, you know, operate kind of, we barely pay attention to them. The people, you know, who are lucky and comfortable, who are able to work from home, who were able to shelter themselves and, you know, get everything delivered to them and not, you know, have to really deal with the really crazy, crazy fear of the pandemic lurking outside of their door, to your point, had the time to sit back and like now they're scrolling through Twitter, they're scrolling through social media. They, there was a big segment of the population that was able to be galvanized simply by way of number one, their privilege of having that time to slow down because yes. really exactly like you said, it wasn't that this was their survival that slowed down. This was the distractions that fell away. So without the distractions and the frill and the things that make us blind to the lack of equity in our society and just how fucked up shit really is, all falls away, especially number one, under the weight of the pandemic, as you said, but also when you have the time to stop and look at it. So I think, and that's because that's kind of the circle that I fall into. Like, I'm very blessed to have been able to work from home. Like my work is mostly digital. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I didn't have to, aside from, you know, grocery trips that felt like I was going to war and back. Like it was <laughs> the, the emotional exhaustion of just that. I couldn't even imagine working there and then having to go to home your family and all of that stuff. And it's just as bad, if not worse now. But it's like all of that could only be seen by that segment of the population that had the time and energy to see it, to make noise about it, because the rest of the population is living it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the people who have to struggle against it. And it's funny because I was brought on to be a, um, like a diversity officer type person in a friend of mine's company. And I hosted a, like a healing circle. And it was a group, a mixed uh, group of white people, uh, BIPOC people, and um, like specifically black people. And I remember one of the black women, you know, was kind of speaking up and she got a bit choked up and, you know, like talking about how this isn't the first time, like, I think this, it would have been after George Floyd. I think we did it in um, July. And, you know, and I, not that I'm in the same position at all, but like, being kind of in the middle of that spectrum, I have been paying attention. Like I remember Trevon Martin. I remember these names that yep. were not just the ones that happened in the past summer. And 
for someone like her, like this black woman was like, you know, you guys get kind of, you guys being, you know, the majority white population here, get kind of worked up and then it all fizzles out and then you get worked up when another name comes up and it fizzles out. It's like, how do I muster the energy to even trust you guys to care enough to make this different? True. But this time seems to be different. Yeah. And I think we're seeing it. I think we're seeing it in like the fact that it's in conversations, the fact that it's mainstreaming, the fact that, you know, the defund the police conversation has been happening. The fact that, you know, Black Lives Matter, which, you know, it's been around for years at this point, but is now so much more mainstream, like to the point where there's infighting among Black Lives Matter. <laughs> from I what actually, I hear, there's some, I there's some gonna... drama there. <laughs> yes, but, definitely. you know, that just goes to show, like, they made it. <laughs> like, yes. if you've made it, if you've gotten far enough to now have a little bit of corruption in your midst, if that is indeed what it is, mm-hmm. okay, like, you've, you've leveled up a little bit. It just mm-hmm. means now there's more room for new activists to come up, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, But, you know, it's, it is different. And I think you, you nailed it. It's that the pandemic was... You know, while so tragic, it's exactly like you said, a blessing and a curse because it did, I think it was the catalyst for a lot of this stuff. Otherwise, it would have just been that same ebb and flow because you know the shootings would not have stopped. No. You know the violence would not have stopped, but what stopped was pretty much the world and they had to pay attention. It's true. And it's, we'll see how it goes. We'll, I'm taking it day by day, um, unfortunately. You know what? I'm a loud ass bitch, man. Like I am not gonna let anyone like it's I've been that person who and like being Middle Eastern again, you kinda like I I was able to code switch enough to hang out with white people and I also grew up in Scarborough, so I had, you know, a fair amount of friends like from a vast rainbow of cultures. I've always been able to fairly well navigate those spaces. But I've always been like, you know, white people are annoying for the following reasons before it was mainstream. <laughs> and not and really just as an accountability thing. It's like, you know, you know when you like listen to this music, you shouldn't say the N-word when you're yes. like rapping along, right? Like, you know when you are annoyed by someone like, you know, who cut you off on the road, like don't assume that they're of a certain culture because they can't drive. It's like none of that shit is okay. And I used to be the only annoying one talking like that. And so now everyone else is talking like that, which is great, but I'm just going to get louder and not let them stop. So that's true. And that's what we need. people like me who can travel with and who can leverage our white passing privilege, leverage whatever privilege we have to be among those circles where people are comfortable enough to say that shitty stuff to us that we can call them out. No, that that's definitely right. And I'm happy that you're going to continue to use your voice. (laughs) Accountability. Accountability Mm -hmm. is key for all of us. We all need to have accountability. And Um, I want people to hold me accountable. Like, I think everyone should hold each other accountable. Like, it's one thing to like, I don't believe there's such a thing as cancel culture. Like, people can definitely get overwhelmed and like, you know, I believe that there is cyberbullying that comes as a result of misguided people who, you know, run with something like that. But accountability is important and people need to learn to take it with a little bit of grace and frankly, a little bit of gratitude. If someone is willing to come up to you respectfully and be like, yo, like you said a thing that wasn't cool. The only time someone will quote unquote cancel you is if you double down and you know, don't admit that you're wrong and don't admit that you are open to learning and change and don't, you know, accept that accountability. That's the only time where rightfully then, you know, yeah, you get canceled. No one wants to give anyone like that time. That's and that true. should happen, you know? Not that, again, cancellation is real. People need to give up on that. <laughs> Honestly, it's called accountability. Let's be real. Yes. Anyone crying about cancellation, that's the thing that they're scared of. It's true. 
It's true. Yeah. But to switch switch gears a little bit yes, here. Yes, please. How, how did you and Mark come together to create Addicted Magazine? So you're going to laugh. Mark and I met working at a, a bank, actually. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we were both uh, fraud, fraud investigators, financial crime investigators at a bank. And we both worked the, uh, the late shift. It was 12 to 8. So I loved it because I hated waking up early in the morning and I was a party animal. And he was kind of similar. And we were like just young and sassy and loudmouth and just, you know, instantly became friends and stayed friends for many years. Um, I always wanted to be a writer. So I kind of started exploring that world. He got more into the world of modeling, acting, um, and music as well. And as well as very early days of social media. So he was kind of doing the influencer thing before that had a name. He was on Twitter, getting paid to help promote brands and that type of thing. At the same time, I was starting to write about music and I was, you know, covering shows and festivals and doing all that stuff. And then all the while he was struggling with, um, you know, his rising addiction. Um, so he then took a beat where he was uh, going through rehabilitation. He was back home in the country with his family and very much had to kind of put a reset on life. We very much reconnected in that time. And, you know, at a certain point, he even came to stay with me for a little bit. And that was the time where... I would take him to stuff with me. I'd be like, mm. you know, I'm going to go to the show. Let's go do this. And at the same time, he was doing social media stuff and whatever. And he was also um, putting together a journal all about how he can now kind of change his path in life and focus that, you know, tenacity that he has that, you know, has in the past, you know, been you know, kind of put in that negative direction with regards to addiction, you know, take that, you know, you jump on something and can't let go and point it towards something a bit more positive. So he was journaling around that. And, you know, he was thinking of turning it into a blog because he was already doing the social media stuff. I was already writing. He asked me if I would write for his blog. So we did that for a little bit. And I was like, you know what? A lot of people have blogs. Why don't we do an online magazine? And that was it. We rebranded. We launched. That was February of 2008, I want to say now. No, okay. that can't be right. And um, still going from there pretty much. So it's, it's been a wonderful journey. We grow a little bit every year, um, had to contract a little bit, unfortunately, due to COVID-19. We were not, we were not uh, immune to the pandemic as well. Um, really unfortunate. A lot of the fun stuff we used to get to do like travel events and, you know, live music and different cool interactive things like that, obviously not happening anymore, but it is still a great platform. We still have great readership. Um, we were still putting out content all through the pandemic, still doing so, even though, you know, we've had some drop in revenue and, you know, kind of losses of partnerships and stuff as other people are getting impacted as well. But it's still the thing that gets me excited. It's still a thing that connects me to people. It's still a story I love to tell. And it's, you know, something that I know will survive this and we'll see where we can take it at, you know, the next level, like we're scrappy and we haven't stopped yet. So we'll figure it out. So early on, was there any other media platforms or uh, digital magazines that inspired you to do it? Yeah. Um, I have to shout out to She Does the City, which for me personally was a big inspiration. I don't know if you know them, but they were recently bought out by uh, a larger media company. And I think Jen's been doing it for about 10, 12 years. Okay. And that was the, the first place that really gave women a voice. And, and it's very Toronto centric. It's film, music, 
stuff that matters to women. And, you know, Jen McNeely, the, the founder and uh, editor in chief there was the first person that I saw making a job out of this type of work, writing and publishing online. And I knew people who freelanced for her back in the day um, before we started Addicted when I was just kind of doing my own thing. I had a music blog and then I was uh, writing for an online newspaper. Um, so that was super inspiring just to see another woman out there doing something that I didn't, no one told me was possible. Like before Mark came along, like I was writing about music and getting paid, paid like a pittance. Like I was getting paid pennies a click. Like mm -hmm. I feel bad. Like when we talk about Spotify, like I have PTSD, like going back to the like <laughs> tiny amounts of money that I would get paid because it was a fraction of a cent per click or something ridiculous like that. And he really told me, and it's been a struggle, you know, in our partnership only because it is one of my limiting beliefs and because he has struggled with, you know, financial insecurity and all that being someone who has a bit of imposter syndrome about being creative and, um, earning my worth or seeking my value um, monetarily compensation wise when it comes to that work and you know giving away too much of my time and energy for free simply because I didn't believe that it was real until I started seeing more and more people do it and he was the one who was like why aren't you getting paid for this we need to get paid for this like we've made something and like hammering that at me and you know I, we have been like it's still you know still growing and hopefully we'll grow much more but beyond what I literally thought was possible because I just didn't know. Um, so as for publications, other publications, Sidewalk Hustle is another great publication if you know them. Um, mm -hmm. They're actually my neighbors, uh, Holly and Tristan. They are so cool, so stylish. And we would love to watch what they were doing because like, you know, Mark and I, while we're very much not like a married couple, um, you know, we are best friends and we do a lot of stuff together and we cover it in the magazine, male and female oriented content, um, you know, fairly equally, unlike most publications, which are usually gender specific. Yep. And, you know, it was just because that reflected our personalities and, and Holly and Tristan over at Sidewalk Hustle, one of the few that were doing that as well. So it was really, really cool to just kind of see, and they're like, they get millions of hits. And I think they have like almost half million Instagram followers and they're like the coolest, nicest people and just so, so stylish. So it's awesome to see what they've accomplished from, you know, literally the same streets that we were hanging out in. Um, so those two publications really in that space, um, I would say paved the way as well as inspired. They showed us what was possible, but they also did very much create a bit of a blueprint for putting together different types of content and different subject matter in a way that not a lot of people do. Like, I think you'd find like in the blog realm, especially because that was where digital media started. It was either very subject matter based, like, you know, my music blog, my food blog, my fashion blog, or I, the kind of predecessor to the influencer, like here is me and I have a big personality and sense of style, but it's like me, 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 me. And there was not a lot of in between. So when you saw Sidewalk Hustle, where it was like, here, you have multiple contributors coming in or same thing when she does the city. It was a different type of online, um, you know, besides something that had like a print version, like, you know, your, your newspapers and your tra traditional magazines that just kind of were trying to navigate the online space to figure out how to mirror that content so they could start to bridge their audience. So um, it, it was interesting because we've been doing this, like I said, for about eight years now. And it's, um, it's been an interesting journey, that's for sure. I really, really loved it. But it's definitely been challenging. I will definitely say that. I, I can only imagine, especially yeah. me being within the media world. I completely understand. Yeah. It's, a, it's a slow build, but it's definitely mm -hmm. worth it in the, in the long run. 
Absolutely. Um, so I've seen you've gotten to do a lot of cool things through working <laughs> in media. So yeah, I wanted to ask, what would you say is some of the coolest events and things that you've been able to be involved Ooh. in through your work? Oh, gosh, we are so blessed, I will say. It's funny, like Mark and I were talking, and it's like, you know, a lot of the perks of our job are gone right now. And it's that's the stuff that I miss, these really incredible experiences, whether it's like brands, event planners, or producers put together to give you know us something to write about or something to talk about or something to make that brand more memorable or just to you know kind of thank us for the work that we do so i've gotten to do things like um one experience that i'll never forget and it's actually kind of topical because there was actually a, a volcano eruption there i got yes. to go to st vincent and the grenadines on an amazing press trip and it was like we got to climb a waterfall and like you know eat like amazing food and just go to all these wonderful places. Like they would like, I got to go on a catamaran. Like we were fucking like snorkeling with stingrays and stuff like stuff that the average person doesn't necessarily get to do. Like, you know, for sure you can go and like, you know, plan that vacation or whatever, but that's not necessarily accessible to everyone. And mm -hmm. it's just like the wonderful thing about being in media is that, you know, they have everybody who's hosting you or whatever wants to put their best foot forward. So you really do get wonderful, memorable experiences. And you also just get to meet incredible people who are so passionate about what they do. Like that trip we stayed at, we were there for seven days and I think we stayed on six different islands or we visited six different islands. Wow. Like we really bounced around and it was like every single place we went to, it was like the, these amazing, beautiful resorts that were really crafted based on how the island was like the culture of that particular island or the structure of that particular island like we stayed in one place where it was a very rocky hilly island and they literally put the rooms into the like the rock formations oh, on this shoot, island cool. and it was just like i think they filmed something like or the pirates of the caribbean uh you know cast and crew stayed there or something but just like getting to meet the people who work there and bring these places to life like this is their home and you know eating this incredible food and you know just being really welcome to this new place and getting to explore it so you know because we have that audience that we're going to turn around and showcase that too like that's an unforgettable experience I, I will literally never ever forget that um i've also had a lot of really incredible experiences around music music is what got me into digital media in the first place and i got to um Soundgarden was my favorite band for a long time. Like from a teenager, I grew up, like I said, in the 90s, grunge kid. I wore a lot of plaid, Doc Martens, all that. Mm -hmm. And I got to photograph Soundgarden, a band that I literally have loved since I was, I want to say 13 years old. And at the time, I think I would have been, when was that? Oh, 2011 I want to say I was, I think 31 or something like that, like long time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, inches away from my heroes with my DSLR camera. And I was just like, I, I made this happen. Like not to sound egotistical, but it's just like, this was a thing that my teenage self would never ever have thought was possible. And, you know, and what, because one day I, you know, I went to a concert and I met this chick who had a media pass and I was like, how'd you get that? And she's like, I write for this newspaper. You should look into it. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> I just did it. And, you know, and then working with Mark, he, you know, being the social media whiz, he was able to, you know, garner us enough traffic and social media followers to make the words that I wrote and the pictures that I took have a, a wider audience. So we got to create the pathways to those opportunities. And 
you know, we may not get paid a ton of money. We, you know, it may be a bit of a struggle to tell people, you know, this is our worth, pay us. But what we've accomplished and the experiences that we've had are invaluable. Like you can't put a price tag on that type of stuff. No, you're, you're definitely right. And um, speaking on music, yes. while, while, I, while I was doing a little bit of my research, I seen, uh-huh. I seen that you got to interview a Grammy Award winner, Brandy. I love her so much. And that interview, first of all, I won't be shy to say like there was a lot of, she's a busy woman. Yes. There was a a lot of back and forth and, you know, scheduling was, was very hard. And I honestly was like, I'm just happy to be a contender. Like if this never works out, the fact that, you know, Brandy may know my name now Mm -hmm. and may know the magazine's name. Like as I told myself, whatever, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I was in an email to her or her management at some point. That's really enough. And then it ended up working out and I was actually up north at my parents have a cottage a couple of hours away the internet is garbage like I didn't have any clothes and the publicist was like the day before was like okay so like tomorrow we're on right I was like mm-hmm. like you know Brandy, <laughs> Brandy's gonna bail on me like she's busy like mm-hmm. you know I'm not sad about it and then it came through and I was like oh my god if my internet craps out like shitting my pants the whole time and it was like I was like a rookie. Like it was very much that I haven't done tons of interviews. I've met celebrities and I've met lots of different things, but she was another one. Like I love Brandy from when I was a teenager. Like I was, you know, sitting in, sitting in my room, listening to her music. And she was just so, you know, gracious and kind and warm and open. Like I, you know, I've met famous people and I've had interviews. I've had really hella awkward interviews but that one was just like talking to a friend and I just wanted to be as like vulnerable and silly as possible as I was. That's why I set the recording so early and like caught my reaction and all that. So I was like, again, not everyone gets to have these experiences. Like I have moments where I'm still like, who, who the hell am I to get to do this and talk to this person and do whatever. And I'm not shy to share that. And I just, it was a really, really humbling, wonderful experience. And like, she's been through a lot and you know people it was the first time i'd interview someone where they gave me a no-go list like there was a, a topic list that i was not allowed to talk about gotcha. and and to me i was like and I, i'm i guess not like the average journalist where i'm just like i wouldn't even want to ask about like certain things like there's stuff where you know she's been through some trauma you know like there's things that she's you know had in her life like i would never want to exploit that for what like hits like it made no mm-hmm. sense to me but that also um really express the kind of magnitude of it. Like you're dealing with a star. You're dealing with someone who's going to tell you what we're going (laughs) to talk about, not the other way around. So it was a very cool experience. All all it takes is one wrong soundbite. And especially these days, especially these days. And she's back on the come up, you know, like Brandy, Mm -hmm. like, you know, people wanted to give her shit, but that album popped, like it was so good, very vulnerable, very passionate. Like, she's, like, mom now. She's very open about her daughter, who is beautiful and pretty much grown at this point. And, like, you know, she's lived her life. She's very comfortable with who she is. Like, to me, that was the best part of the interview because she touched on that. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of message I love to convey to people because, you know, like, I turned 40 last year and I'm, like, the, like, you know, fucks to fucks of giving ratio is very very low at this point like especially in a pandemic (laughs) i could imagine i could imagine during a pandemic and you hit a certain age but that was kind of you know part of what she was saying too it's like you know i was younger and there was a lot of pressure to be and act and do a certain way and it's like now i'm my own person i've lived a life i have a child i'm a mother like i'm 
not someone that is going to take anything lying down and if people don't like it like screw them and you know i'm not remotely brandy level awesome to have you know that attitude yet but <laughs> i'm i'm getting there because i think that that's the type of thing we all really should try to embrace especially and not to keep bringing it back to the pandemic but i find that it's brought a really judgy side of humanity out uh, we all knew it was yeah. there like, we all have the internet we know how people get but like it's on the forefront more now I it's do bad. not like that energy. I have no time for it. It's like when people were calling the snitch lines and stuff, like back last year, I was like, I don't want to know you. Like mm -hmm. if this is what you're sitting at home doing with your, like I get you think that you're saving a life or something, but like who's going to come when you call that snitch line? Like what if you call on the wrong house and the wrong people roll up yeah. and something bad happens? What? Because you were scared. I mean, COVID is something serious, obviously, but it's like you're in your house. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're you okay. It's you're true. okay. It's that whole mentality of like, oh, like everyone else is an asshole and we're they're ruining it for us. It's like you're ruining it for me right now, actually. Stop. Just stop it's, it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. It's 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 so crazy. But it's just good to see that you're healthy, I'm healthy, our platforms yes. are going. And That's all um that matters. For the people that don't know how I met you, so I met you yes. through this this program called uh, Biz Start, yeah, and um, it's pretty much where they teach you how to start your own business. And um, it's because, a startup incubator. Yes, yes, that's the exact term. It's a startup yes. incubator, and yeah. they they pretty much help you through mentorship and teach you how to start your own business and. Yeah. Um, you meet people within different fields and they give you their perspectives and you were one of the people that came in mm -hmm. and because we were in a similar line of work, yeah. um, you gave me a lot of tips about media and how to go about certain things. And now I have how my to own make platform, money. how to make money. So it's mm -hmm. like seeing how everything is gone and seeing how you watched us from early on and then work all our way through to pretty yeah. much having our own businesses. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say, how, how does it feel for you? Because we're not the first group you've done it for and not, no. we're not going to be the last group. I'm sure. I'm, no. I'm, Bless, one, no. I, I think there's one currently going right, yeah. right now. Yeah, um, we just wrapped. So how, how does that feel for you to kind of give back? and like watch oh, like watch the fruits of your of your labor because i know you're not in you're not in it for the the game you're just out there to no. get the game and and um give people the opportunity to learn something and i was one of those people so i just want to know how does it feel when someone like me you see me with no platform and now i have one and i'm interviewing yeah. you now and if you're working with other people from that class too so i just want to know how, how does that feel for you it feels wonderful. Honestly, like I, it's, it's such a beautiful thing to be a part of because, you know, the reason why I brought up what the exact term was, was number one, I never want you guys to minimize the hard work of what you do. Like your businesses, these are your babies. Like the reason it's called an incubator is because, you know, it's a little baby and then they're teaching you how to make it strong and make it sustainable. And so once you take it out of that little biz start world, where you have your guides and your mentors and people that are holding you accountable to your dates and stuff, it's strong enough to survive outside of that environment. So to come back and see, so not only is your little fledging little baby business out of the incubator, it's like out in the world and it's getting strong and it's walking around and it's able to invite me to come hang out. And like, that's a really beautiful, beautiful thing to see because 
you know, like I said earlier, like the imposter syndrome is real. The imposter syndrome does not go away. Like, especially for me now, like starting a whole new venture, like I did a, a goal setting workshop the other day and, you know, the, the woman running it was like, how much has your imposter syndrome cost you? Like every day that you hesitate because what, like you don't think you can do it. Like you've been doing it. Mm -hmm. And so to see you guys taking that, those steps and going out in the world and, you know, to your point, getting to the point where you're now even turning it around and putting me in the hot seat, like you're, you've turned the tables and that's, it's incredible and it's inspiring and it's such a reminder. And frankly, like a kick in the pants for me to get my shit together, to be like, listen, like you are up there standing in front of these young people purporting yourself to be a mentor. You can't be sitting on your ass thinking that you can't do shit. You can't be sitting on your ass thinking that you're not, you know, worthy of this amount of money or this opportunity or holding yourself back from sending this pitch because why you're scared of how they're going to receive it. You're scared they're going to say no. And like, the thing is that I've kind of come out of the other side with, you know, two businesses before doing this one where I've risen and I failed and I've, you know, succeeded and I failed and it's a, you know, continuous roller coaster and I've survived that. So it, it, it's really just such a reminder of what's possible. And it's so wonderful to, to get that kick in the ass when I need it. And not only that, to just be inspired and re-energized by wonderful, you know, young people with amazing ideas. And like, what I love the most about BizStart is, is the diversity because I was someone who grew up in such a colorful, wonderful, beautiful place like Scarborough and then moved to a very homogenous, very, you know, white Canadian place. Like my high school was almost all white. And it, you see, especially when you're someone who travels in those circles, because I can code switch that way, what people get left out of. So to come back and be like, you know what, like, because I spent a lot of time in the corporate world, it's very white, male dominated. So to then be coming back and seeing the wave of the future, which is women, it's black people, it's brown people, it's indigenous people, it's people from, you know, parts of the city that, you know, people don't hear about your entrepreneurs coming from, you know, like these are the places where people are historically overlooked and not given the opportunities that they should, but to know that there's a, not only a program that does that, but to be able to engage with the people that are taking that opportunity and running with it, which is the most amazing thing, really what you guys create BizStart is, is amazing, but it's nothing without you guys. It's nothing without the ingenuity and the passion and, you know, the sheer hustle factor that y'all bring to the table. And it's like, I just feel blessed to be a part of it. Like anytime I'm down on myself and I look at my calendar and there's like a BizStart day coming up, I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I do it and I'm just like fuck I'm gonna work for one of these kids at some point and here I am you have me on your podcast I'm doing work for one of the other people at your cohort mm -hmm. and you know in a couple of years I'm sure one of them is gonna be my boss and I'm just gonna be like cool give me a paycheck because I'm tired <laughs> like, you take the reins for a yeah. while I'm gonna let you know not live the startup life for a minute because that's how strong these groups are and these individuals are and this is what they bring to the table and it's so incredible to witness no, I could, I could only imagine how that is for you. And I had to make sure I asked you that because... Yeah, you got to do it now. Now yes. you got to turn it around. Give it a little bit of time. Get your business really, really strong. Mm. Then give back. You will love it. And you're so well-spoken. Like, and there's something you can do, I'm sure, with the podcast. And like, you know, like, be like, hey, bring me as part of the value add for BizStart. Mm -hmm. you know, whoever wins gets a spot on the podcast to promote their business. There you go. I like the way you think. And you know what's so Always funny? Thinking. You know what's so funny? 
when when I seen you guys up there and and mm. and teaching us all all the stuff that you taught us, mm. I was sitting there like I'm gonna be back here teaching. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm you gonna will. make sure. I'm gonna make sure that I I give back once I build my platform up to a certain level. You will, but you know what? Don't. I will give you one piece of advice. I'll turn the tables back on you for another second because mm -hmm. you. Like, I didn't put my hand up and say, hey, Bistart, like, let me come teach. It was my friend Annie Lamb, who just knew me from the media. And Shout out to friends. her. Shout out Shout to Shout out her. to Miss Annie Lamb. She did my eyebrows. Anybody who needs eyebrows <laughs> And she does fantastic nails, although that's not allowed right now. Um, but anyway, she was the one who tapped me and was like, yo, you should do this. And I'm like, really? Me? What have I done? And she was like, dude, you've done so much. I'm like, mm -hmm. am I though? Imposter syndrome. I would never, and she was the one who asked me to do the sponsorship workshop, but I am going to turn it around and ask if I can do something around diversity and inclusion as uh, I want to build myself up. So the tables are going to turn on them. We'll see if they let me do it. But I'm telling you right now, like put, put the word out that you're open to doing it because they'll know before you're ready. Before you think you're ready, they'll know you're ready. Got you. Got you. I definitely will keep that yeah. in mind. Please so do. Um, touching on pretty much you giving advice for someone else who is like me, who is trying to, well, I've built my platform now, but for the person, mm -hmm. for the listener right now, who's getting inspired by this conversation and wants to build their own media platform, whether it's a uh -huh. digital magazine, whether it's a podcast, what would, what would your advice be to them? Oh my God, just do it. Literally just do it because and I'm very guilty of this. I have a podcast that I've been developing literally for over a year. And I'm just so, I'm not good with the technology and I've been holding back on myself. So don't do like me, just do it. You know, try, pick a platform that you think you can manage and just try. Like whether it's, you know, a blog, you find a template on WordPress and just start like, you know, writing and seeing what that looks like, you know, jump on Canva and like try some graphic design or whatever, but just do it. Don't let the imposter syndrome hold you back. See what's out there. Read all the articles. Learn. Like, there's so many resources, you know, like, it's, and there's so many people. I would also say reach out to people that you like their content and what they're doing. People love to ask to be mentors. Like, I get asked from time to time, but there was a period where I didn't, and I was like, where is everybody at? Like, I would love to be your mentor. But it's weird to be like, can I come be your mentor? Yes. No, that's not how it works. Someone has to come <laughs> to you. Yeah. So reach out to the people whose work you admire and be like, can I take you? I don't know how the hell it happens now, but like, can I take you for a virtual coffee? Is that a thing? I don't know. But Maybe. anyway, like, Who knows? <laughs> find a way to make them feel like you value their time and ask them to chat and be like, what platform did you start with? What did you like? Like, how was it, you know, getting sponsors? Like after, you know, you and I have this chat, I'm actually speaking with a musician friend of mine about um, sponsorship and branding partnerships because she's self-produced and, you know, works really hard, has never really been able to get many grants or get government funding. She's like, how do I make money? I'm like, girl, you are amazing visually. You have a really strong social media following, a strong engagement. You should very much be like making money through this. You should be finding brands. Like, even if you're not making money, I'm like, do you need sound equipment? Like, what do you need? Like, there's things that you can do to leverage the existing platform you have. Like, again, sometimes all you have to do is ask. So, sure. you know, that's another thing, like figure out what it is that you think that you have that brings value or that can bring value to someone and then reach out to them and offer that value. But really all the root of all this advice is action. 
yes. do something, try something, do not as best as you can. And I, again, this is a do as I say, not as I do situation. Cause I find this super hard sometimes. I really have to kick my own ass, but try not to hesitate. Try not to let your imposter syndrome hold you back. Try not to diminish or minimize your skill, your talent, your accomplishments or your abilities. Um, you have to be your own biggest cheerleader with this stuff, especially at first, because you have a vision. Don't listen to other people, except unless they say they like what you're doing. But honestly, a lot of people, especially I think when you get into the creative world, don't really understand or don't really necessarily, unless you're blessed to be, you know, have lots of people that are similar to you and those interests in your circle. But, you know, people don't understand. Like, how do you make money? What do you mean? Like, yep. you do what? Right. Like, I don't get it. And that's not the most heartening it's not yes. the most supportive but just don't listen to them again easier said than done those people will put a lot of doubt in your head but don't listen to them they're doing their own thing you know you probably tried that thing that they did and you didn't like it mm -hmm. you know that's another thing too what could hurt if you already didn't like the other thing <laughs> it's true. Try, try this thing it's true try try and try again so mm -hmm. Once again, thank you for your time. My last question for you before I let you go. I know you're okay. a busy woman. I appreciate where, that. Where do you see addicted mag in the future? What are your oh, what are your what is the dream? The dream. What's the, the dream? dream? The dream. Honestly, man, I it's it's weird because right now I'm just so grateful that it still exists because I hate to say like a lot of people like people that came up with us at the same time a lot of them are not doing the same thing anymore I know a lot of people who aren't like they partnerships have gone by the wayside blogs have shut down sites have shut down shut down so number one I I do hold a lot of gratitude for the present that we are still here we're creating content you know we have a bit of income coming in we have you know a couple of contributors here and there that are still willing to you know give their time in exchange for whatever little we can give them or what opportunity we can create for them so I have a lot of gratitude for that and I think that gratitude will fuel addicted going forward because it's given me so much it's given mark so much and you know we we want to hold on to it and see what else it can do so what i hope for it is that we keep getting more and more readers around the world we keep getting a bigger and bigger platform and we can start bringing in the revenue that can afford us to put more of our time and energy into it to bring in more people to you know, make it a bigger and stronger platform. My big dream is to have a foundation that lives under it. Like we've already opened our merch shop. Anybody, you know, is looking for some cozy sweatpants and really chic masks. You know, we still have to mask up even though there's a vaccine and all that out there. Yep. So uh, the shop at Addicted, just go to www.weareaddicted.com and hit shop or it's on Shopify. You could look us up. Sorry, I hope that was allowed. No, um, no, definitely. I was definitely, I was going to put the information in the uh, description anyway. So, <laughs> amazing I, I know you got us i know you got of course 100 percent. but you know we've already started donating um we put some of the proceeds from some of our sales to uh create uh, homeless uh survival kits we were bringing out socks underwear blankets and you know things like body wash and toothbrushes and stuff to uh unhoused individuals in the neighborhood obviously infected by the affected by the pandemic as well um so that's the dream to build on that um, that energy to build on that philosophy of, you know, 
Addicted has done so much for us and given us, you know, such a great experience and just so many amazing memories and things that we can never replicate that we want to use it to do as much good as possible. And the number one way to do that is to continue to grow the platform so we can use it to amplify the voices of those who need it. And the other way to do that is to make money so that we can give back by either literally directly giving back, donating to, you know, groups that need it or by creating um, employment opportunities. Like really what I would love is to like, you know, get a big old grant and just like hire a bunch of like BIPOC artists, like bring indigenous people, bring in, um, you know, black people, bring all different writers and photographers and all that and just hand them the money and be like, give me some content and I'll put it up. Yeah. You know, like just create opportunity for people to express themselves, you know, and I, I just would never ask for that free labor from, especially from those groups. So that's the thing that I want to do. And if that can just continue to spiral and if we can get pulled along the way and make a bit of money and continue to live a great life, then that's, that's the dream. And we've already lived a touch of it. We've already, we've already gotten a taste of that dream. You know, we, we have had to roll back a bit again, like many people have in this pandemic, but that's a really beautiful question to leave it on. Cause it reminds me that there's so much that we can do and you know again if i can leave anybody with a parting wish like if i can do this shit so can you honestly everybody has something in them to accomplish what it is that they dream about whatever makes them excited and your dream doesn't have to be the same as my dream the same as your dream the same as anybody's dream just figure out what that thing is that makes you feel good to do with a lot of your time and just try to do it at the very least you'll enjoy yourself for a bit and you move on to the next thing right and don't be afraid. Hurt. Don't be afraid to take never. chances. It is never, never too late. And one hundred percent, never it's too late. Never ever. ever too late. There's people oh. sixty years old getting degrees. So honestly, if there's no there's starting no podcasts too, starting yep. their own blogs. You know, yep. doing their thing. You're never too old. You're never too anything. And there is a community out there for you. Yep. that's the other wonderful thing to find your community. Find the people that inspire you. That engage you that make you realize that you can do whatever it is that you want to do because those people are out there too you know hit us up if you're shy about something i'm gonna speak for you here right now but you can't no no of course of course <laughs> hit i'm, us I'm up. all about We're giving back because because people like you gave to me so i'm all about giving back all Aww. about giving back what Hon a wonderful way to have some time in an afternoon thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this no, i'm truly humbled i no, really do thank, thank you. you and i thought it'd be a cool little blast from the past considering you seen me with absolutely yeah. nothing but an idea and now you gave me some advice and and look what we're doing right now so I and i've watched a few of your episodes the tupac and biggie one that had me thinking <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one again I, you hit me in the fields because that's my time yeah that was my era and that's very we, intelligent combo i love that one and that's what we try and do we try and have a wider uh, spectrum of conversations and we try mm -hmm. and not keep it really time sensitive where we only speak on what's current we want to also yeah. speak on what's happened so yeah i, I truly that, keep appreciate that shit evergreen man yep. like you get that content people will be consuming it forever it was will not be bound by time exactly so once again i appreciate you coming on my podcast um we definitely will collaborate some point in the future um have me back i would love it i, I was literally about to say that but yeah. um this is another politics as usual interview segment i had my special guest nadia in the building thank you once again 
Have yourself a good one. And all the listeners, make sure you tap in Addicted Magazine. Do your Googles. If you're looking for any updates regarding our podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at usual underscore podcast. And on Instagram, it's politics as usual cast. Also, for episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple.